0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown, and today I am joined by another other than Dan Roach. Dan, how we doing? Good, glad
1: to be here. Glad the uh, the Red Sox are in a better spot than last time we talked.
0: Yes, and conspicuous by his absence is DS, who last time we spoke Said he was hitting the panic button on the season, and I think you and I can both agree that was a little bit of jumping of the gun. Uh, luckily, like you said, the Red Sox have definitely put themselves in a much better position than they were last time we spoke. About a month ago, they have won. They won eight out of ten on a recent West Coast trip. in In the time about let's say five weeks since we last spoke, they have gone 25 and 11 winning nine series out of 11, only losing one of them, one series. And that was to, of course, the Baltimore Orioles of all teams on Memorial day weekend. It all began in uh, mid-May, I would say, where the Red Sox went out to Texas. And I personally ventured out to globe life field there in Arlington. And I personally will take credit for fixing the, our Boston Red Sox. Just going to, just going to throw that out there. No humble brag there, but ever since then they have been on fire DR. So let me, let me just toss it over to you. Give me your quick thoughts just in general on what you have seen from the Boston Red Sox over this past four to five weeks. Yeah. I mean,
1: Last time we talked, we said the pitching um, did their best to kind of pick up this team and make the, the first half of that uh, the season so far um, not as bad as it could have been. I think that the pitching, some guys have had gone up. A lot of guys have stayed static. A couple of guys regressed. But uh, the difference is the hitting, um, aside from maybe a couple of pitchers. But, I mean, across the board, just guys who were non-factors, basically zeros uh, when it comes to major league uh value at the plate um have turned into at least average ball players if not better um so uh, i think you're seeing the 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 fruits of that payoff
0: uh in the win-loss record um since then Mm -hmm. and a lot of the teams that they've been they've been beating over the past five weeks or so have been teams that they have had to leapfrog on the way to pushing in to get back into the playoff picture i know it's it's probably definitely a bit far too early to be talking about potential playoff spots. But when you open the season and you're below 500 and you, you've got to, you got to push your way back into the playoff picture somehow, or you're just going to sit there in mediocrity. And the Red Sox have in order to get to where they are now had to beat teams that were sitting just ahead of them in the standings to get to the point where they are. So to say for the, I know that I've seen some people on on the Twitter be like, oh, they're not playing anyone, blah 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 blah. But at the time when they were playing the teams that they've played in these past 11 series, they were teams that were right there with them in in proximity to the standings. So personally, I think they've done what they've needed to do to at least right the ship, right the course, get back on track, and now we're gonna we're gonna start to see what they're really made of. Uh, we'll get more into the upcoming schedule a little bit later on, but it is going to be grueling, especially in the month of July, to say the less. DR, you mentioned pitching has been, was one of the talking points last time. And you, I mean, they have really have been just great during this stretch. Uh, talk to me about some of the guys specifically that have helped kind of keep the Red Sox pitching going uh throughout the entire season, but especially in the past month or so.
1: Yeah, I think the the post childs for that has to be Nick Pavetta. I mean here's a guy um that you 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 kind of figured you'd need to depend on and lean on him a little bit with uh you know I think a little bit of a depleted rotation um not a factor at all in the beginning part of the the season. Uh ERA north of six um and oh, and four, I think, uh, I, I had my like cutoff point as uh May 9th. That, that was their farthest point, um, mm-hmm. of number of games below 500. So, um, you know, pre that period, ERA north of six, oh, and four in his starts since then his ERA is sub two and the Sox are seven and one, um, or that's, Pavetta's one loss record. So, I mean, mm-hmm. total turnaround, total 180. I uh, I think you've seen a much better command of, of his, his curveball. um, I think he had a complete game mixed in there. I know he's like one of three Red Sox starters who have had complete games. So, uh, I mean, obviously you love to see that. It helps out your bullpen and sets you up for future success as well. But um, he's got to be the poster child. Michael Walker continues to be steady. Uh, looks like a great um, veteran signing for the uh, the Red Sox this year. Rich Hill has regressed uh, and done Rich Hill things. Uh, and Whitlock and Houck, I think, are a mixed bag in and of themselves that you know, I'm sure we'll talk about later.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely kind of discuss what roles Whitlock and hooks should have uh, in just a little bit. But I mean, when you look at the the starting rotation in particular, Dr. You've got some injuries starting to pile up. these hit the DL, uh, DL, IL. Uh, you, Sale hasn't pitched at all. There's been speculation as to whether or not he'll be coming back as a starter or a lever. It appears he will come back in his usual starting pitcher role. And you're starting to see some other injuries pop up too. Uh, so I, I guess the question then becomes, dr how, how much longer can the Red Sox rotation keep this up with injuries starting to pile up and depth becoming – I don't want to say an issue, but it's being tested. You're having guys like Cutter Crawford and Josh Winkowski having to come up in spot starts and they've, they've in those spot starts, they've done well, but how much longer do you think they can keep this up for before they need those reinforcements to come in?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I'm not so much worried about the depth of this unit. Uh, I'd be more worried about their high end sort of ceiling. Mm -hmm. Um, You have a number of guys that can come up and make starts. I know Cutter Crawford, he can start. Winkowski, he can start. Seabold. I mean, even Brian Mottet may be a guy that you could see this year uh, with the way that he's kind of performing. There there are a number of arms, I think, in this system, or even bulk uh, relief pitchers that um, can spot in as starters. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'd be more worried about, like, He's uh, in, in the wild card. I think they expanded it to like a best of three series or something like that. Yep. I, that's a series that might trouble me over the course of the season. I think um, the depth of this unit. Yeah, sure. But um, you know, you don't have anybody that can really go toe to toe with like a Max Scherzer or, or, you know, some of these other really uh, kind of elite starters, especially over the sh- a short uh, series like that. So um, uh, P- what Pavetta of Waka, I think those are all sustainable, um, Hill to me is an eat, an inning eater. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. I think with Richel, you're out of the money. He's there as, as I, basically that number five guy to eat up innings. Hopefully James Paxton will be able to enter the fold here maybe in the second half of the season after the All-Star break at some point and you see what you are going to get from him. Maybe he he can provide some valuable innings later on in the season, but Coming off of, I believe, knee surgery, I, or Tommy John, I honestly forget which one it is, but he he's coming off of major surgery, and it it's it's kind of it's kind of going to be a toss up as to what you're going to get from him. Anything that you get uh, in terms of value will will be will be taken happily. Uh, but let, let's kind of move on to Tanner Hook. He appears to be settling into the closer role. It looks like Alex Cora. Is going to run with him as he's now converted after last night four straight saves and has only allowed one run since May 15. He, his bullpen ERA is sub four, it's somewhere in the middle threes, I believe. And ever since he's been given the high leverage relief role in the back end of the bullpen, he's kind of run with it. So, would you say that he's going to be the guy to finally bring some st- stability to the back end of the bullpen going forward? Or do you, do you not see this as like a long-term solution this season?
1: Um, to me, Hauk and Whitlock are both very similar. Um, and I think, I think that, and not just the way that they have success, but, but in that they are, maybe bulk kind of could be starters who have really kind of two plus pitches. Um Whitlock ha- has a third that I think um maybe, you know, in my opinion is why they um, thought that he would have a chance to kind of stick in the rotation. Mm-hmm. I know everyone likes to talk about the contract situation and I'm sure that some of the people in the finance office at the over at Fenway are, are drooling over that, but I really think it had to do with pitch mix uh, and his, uh, you know, Hauk is really a two-pitch guy right now. And so uh, I think it's just different. It's a different animal when teams can game plan for you. Um, and I think that's why we're seeing Whitlock maybe struggle a little bit more, um, you know, in addition to the injury. Um, and so I I think that Hauk's success is is due to the fact that, you know, there are a number of guys that can come in. The team and, and that lineup is really not going to be game planning so much for, for Hauk anymore. Um, it's whoever is on the bump to start that day. Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, the flip side is if Whitlock makes the transition back to the to the bullpen um, and you can have another, uh, you know, I don't know, somebody come out of the woodwork, maybe James Paxson comes up back and he gives you something or, you know, fingers crossed, I wouldn't hold my breath, but Chris Sale comes back and can really, you know, kind of stick in the rotation uh, or Winkowski comes up or whatever. Um, I think that Whitlock and how guys of those, that that archetype, um, will have success in the bullpen. Um, so yeah, I think that what Houck's doing is sustainable. Um, obviously not to this degree. He's, he's been elite these past, uh, like month or so. Um, I think I've got him at like a 0. 0.92 ERA. He might mm-hmm. be like 0. 0.87 on the year or something like crazy since, or since like going back to the bullpen or so. I don't know, but, um, yeah, love what you're doing. I don't think he'll be this elite, but, um, I think he, he, he's, Will stick as a high leverage bullpen arm.
0: Yeah, I think I think Whitlock and How are definitely guys that you can use in higher leverage uh, situations in the back end of the bullpen. I just don't know if they're guys that I want to see as the ninth inning closer. In a potential playoff run, or late in September, early October, trying to lock down a save to get you into the postseason, uh, I think that remains to be seen. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, and they will, and they'll be great, and I, I my concerns will be alleviated. But right now, I'm still of the mindset that when the trade deadline comes at the end of next month in July. I would like Haim to kind of go out and try and get a proven closer if at all possible. I know that they don't have a ton of assets to necessarily be able to get out to go out and get a top tier option on the market. But if they can get any sort of additional bullpen help, especially of a guy that is proven in a closer role, uh, I think that would be a huge get and and kind of solidify the bullpen, which ERA wise, like stats wise, the bullpen has been solid, but it just, I feel like, and maybe you can tell, you can kind of uh, tell me if I'm wrong or not here, DR, but it just feels like the bullpen is, is a lot more shaky than the stats might say. Yeah. I think there's a certain clutch factor missing
1: that I think a, you know, a dependable high leverage uh, reliever, whether that's a closer or, you know, even like a a tried and true setup guy, like a Devin Williams, just like, you know, not really a closer, but like, you know, on the cusp, very high leverage arm, got great stuff. Like, like somebody who can really take that role and fill it, this bullpen's not very far away. I mean, uh, John Schreiber has really been a diamond in the rough there. Uh, His ERA is like, it's like, I think sub one, like ridiculous. It it is.
0: I looked it up. It's 0.87
1: like ridiculous. Um, I think Matt Strom, um, th- his numbers look a little worse. Cause I think he had like one outing that he kind of got like blown up a little bit. But other than that, I think if, if you take that out, like he's been very strong. I think for me, at least has past the eye test Whitlock or, or sorry, how seems like a good, um, you know, a real piece right now. If somebody comes back, I, you know, I could foresee a, a Whitlock return to the, I don't think that's out of the question. Diekman's not bad you got some other guys who kind of like have been like good, like they seem like major league arms, maybe not like high leverage, but you know, not every arm in your bullpen is going to be a horse. So um, yeah, I, I, they're not far away. They don't feel clutch. They feel like they're missing again, that high end elite
0: guy, just like, just like the rotation. Yeah. Ho- hopefully you can find that in-house option for the rotation and Chris sale. And he can come back and be that all-star Cy Young ish caliber guy in a shortened season for him. Uh, but that remains to be seen. I think the finding that in-house in the bullpen is tough because even though you do have a former all-star lurking in the shadows, that being Matt Barnes, Matt Barnes has just been utterly abysmal from the second half of last year coming into this year. He's one of the pitchers that's currently on the IL. You've got a litany of them, uh, I'll, I'll just rattle them off real quick just to so people can understand how the injuries are starting to really rack up here. You got Darwin's in Hernandez who underwent went torn meniscus surgery and is out indefinitely. That was about a month ago. Who knows when he'll be back. Same thing with Barnes. He's got a shoulder issue and he's been down for the count for several weeks. Josh Taylor has been out pretty much all season with a back injury and he's he still hasn't even been sent out on a rehab assignment. Avaldi has a back issue and is not progressing as quickly as the team would have hoped. He's not going to be coming back to the, to the rotation when he's first eligible to come off the IL. We talked about Chris Sale, Whitlock's hip injury. It looked like he had been kind of battling through that nagging, some sort of nagging injury, and turns out it was a hip injury. He's got a bullpen session coming up this week so we'll see where he's at physically and then in terms of james paxton he looks like he's got some bullpen sessions lined up this week so perhaps we can get him into the rotation by the all-star break but that's a lot of names there and that's just pitching wise Um, so i guess my question for you here just to wrap up from the pitching perspective, DR is when this team is fully healthy with who they have on the roster, what should the Red Sox rotation and bullpen setup look like? Um, I, I, I'd like to see them add an arm
1: for, for, for the rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the three guys who have earned their spot of all the Pavetta and Waka um, Hill. I don't know that there's really a spot for him Come playoff time, you know, mm-hmm. I that's something where you've got enough bulk reliever.
0: But yeah, I I I heard what you were getting at. Ivaldi, Pavetta, Waka absolutely are three guys that should be in the rotation oh, going there we forward, go. provided their health. I think what you were probably going to get <laughs> to add on to that was that Chris Sales should be the fourth guy, assuming he's able to come back, be his usual self and stay healthy. And then it's kind of where do you go from there with that fifth spot? Because Rich Hill hasn't exactly done a heck of a lot other than, like you said earlier, eat innings. Who knows what you're going to get from James Paxton. So right now, if you're talking about a playoff rotation, yeah, Evaldi, Pavetta, Waka, and hopefully Chris Sale. But outside of that, in terms of regular season, you definitely might be looking to add a guy.
1: Um. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I think my headset got disconnected, but I, I, so I think it goes, if I, if I was the, the person in charge of drawing up the rotation, I go with those three guys. Um, and then after that, I don't know that I'm guaranteeing a guy like sale, like a playoff spot. I think maybe um, I, I don't hate, you've got enough guys that can go four innings kind of doing something where it's like a hybrid start. Like maybe, Sale and then somebody else, who, and, and they each get like two, three innings. I, I think there's real value in that. Maybe like you line up like Houck with yeah. uh, Sale, and then you know your next ones Cutter, Crawford, and Whitlock. Um, Whitlock, uh, and then you know whatever Paxton can slide in. I think you've got like enough guys who can kind of go like for an you know like a, a smaller chunk of innings. And then it makes it harder for teams because you're you're still throwing these these arms at them. I mean. Again, if somebody's cruising and they're stretched out, sure, let them keep going. But, uh, you know, go go with what the game is dictating there. But, um, yeah, I think unless they go out and and shock me and add a real bona fide starter, I don't know that I like some of these other fourth and fifth options getting, you know, here's the rock. Today's your day kind
0: of uh, role. Mm -hmm. And that includes sale. Yeah, it's tough because you just really don't want to push sale too quickly in terms of innings. You really don't want to beef up his workload too quickly because we know he's not the most durable guy. But at the end of the day, he is the guy, I think, with the most elite proven elite stuff on the rotation. It's just whether or not he can stay healthy and, and provide that, elite level talent on a consistent enough basis. And you just really don't know what you're going to get when he comes back. So I I wouldn't hate kind of, kind of limiting him to four or five innings at the start. And then if, if, if he's, if he's cruising along, then yeah, let him, let him start to go six innings or so, you know, but I, I would, I would hesitate to let him go super deep in the games even on days where he's just lights out. Like if he's pitching a no hitter, obviously, but if he's like maybe, maybe even a shutout, but like, I, I don't, I, th- I think you got to be really careful with Chris sale and make sure that you have him available in whatever capacity possible for the postseason. Uh, especially if you're not going to go out and get up uh, another proven arm in the rotation. Personally, I, I think they need to do that for the, the bullpen. Uh, and I think that's a little bit of a higher, Kind of higher priority move, but I don't know where Haim and the organization lines up on that one. So that remains to be seen. Yeah,
1: I think I know a lot of Boston fans will be upset if you know they'll 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 complain about sales his his contract situation so if he goes into the, the uh, bullpen. Um, you know, and, and, or, or even as just kind of like a two, three inning, maybe like opener their pseudo opener kind of role. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think season to season, unless you've got some sort of long-term plan that you're kind of working towards, um, especially when push comes to shove in the playoffs, you got to do what's right for your, for your baseball team that year. And some of these other younger guys, I think have proven that they kind of deserve a spot. And t- to me, Chris Sale is too much of a wild card that, um, I don't know that I like him as a, as a starter uh, right now. Um, he can certainly prove me wrong and earn a spot in the rotation, but um, you know, there are just a number of factors that go into that. And I think that, you know, the the finances aside, sometimes you got to go with what the players can do for you on the field. Um, whether or not you're paying somebody to be kind of like a two, three inning guy, $30 million. Yeah. Like, yeah, that sucks a little bit, but your team yeah. might win more games if you do that.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of money aside, that's kind of how I feel about Whitlock. I feel like they tried to plug a hole in the rotation with him. Like you were saying, they thought that they could stretch him out and that he would hold up, and the numbers just didn't really translate. So I I would really like to see Whitlock and in in tandem in high leverage situations in the bullpen, whether that be kind of bailing out a starter that didn't go long at all and had to be yanked in like the, the third or fourth inning. And they're a guy that can give you multiple innings to kind of bring stability to that game and keep you in it. Or late in game situations, you need somebody to kind of get you out of a sticky situation in the eighth and then close the deal out in the ninth. I, I think that's what you want to do there. Schreiber has been fantastic. So he's he's definitely earned some uh, some trust in high leverage situations in the in the back end of the bullpen. But I just don't know if that's a, if those are, if that is a, a Whitlock out Schrieber, I don't know if that's, that's going to be enough in the back end of a bullpen come October. So I, I, I would still go out and get a guy if possible, but maybe, maybe we don't need to do that. We'll see. Let's, let's kind of transition DR and let's, let's now talk about the Red Sox offense a lot. Let's, let's, I mean, it's been a complete 180, like you said earlier. They are now leading the American League in batting average. They are second in the American League in runs scored, and they have 31 more doubles than any other team in the American League. Not only that, but Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, and our son, Rafael Devers, are third, fourth, and fifth, respectively, in batting average in all of baseball. Not and you're getting guys that are starting to heat up outside of those big three. So w- I guess the question I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna lead, lead it out in general for you. Do, do they do those three need to keep it up to sustain the lineup? Will others step up? Like what what are you seeing in this lineup that's that's really turned things around? and what do they need to do to, to kind of keep it up?
1: Well, I, so those big three continue to. To hit, I mean, last we talked, they were the only people hitting on this team. Um, somehow, Rafael Divers is hitting even better uh, now. He's got like an OPS of like 1.1 or 1.2 over the last month. Like just an absolute Disgusting. tear. Ridiculous. Um, JD Martinez has found some sort of renaissance. I thought he was going to slow down. I thought that there was enough signs of him being older and having, you know, maybe not the most durable kind of body, but uh, that he would slow down. Um, but he, he's been absolutely terrific and everything that you could have hoped for from a guy from his age, from his contract and, you know, everything, um, as far as what really changed it's, it, I mean, it's, it's everyone, everyone's numbers are better. I don't care who who you look at, you know, even a guy who might have like reduced playing time. Like I know Bobby's kind of lost a little bit with Franchie coming up. Bobby's numbers will look better. I mean, Franchi's numbers look better than Bobby's, but, but. In retrospective to each person's own numbers for that first kind of half, that first month and a half, everyone has improved. So I don't know if the hitting staff get, deserves a big pat on the back. I don't know if there's a guy out in center field who should get fined by the league and also maybe get a pat on the back, but I, I, I don't know how to explain it. Every single person is hitting better on this team uh, down to Jackie Bradley, down to Christian Arroyo, down to Alex Verdugo. I mean, all of them, um, and so I, I, when your entire lineup improves and, – and we're not talking like, oh, yeah, like they were hitting 210, and now they're hitting like 215. I mean, like uh, Enrique uh, – or Kike Hernandez, he was hitting like sub-160. Now he's like a serviceable ball player. He's – he's the second half kind of really he's hitting like 260. Like, okay, yeah, he's not lighting the world on fire, but he's doing something. Christian Vasquez, he's actually kind of like nasty right now. Yeah. Uh, just across the whole team, everyone is hit. Verdugo, since that kind of that that midway point that I, I I kind of referenced earlier, he's hitting like 275. I mean, he was smoking the ball earlier. I get it. There was a little bit of unluckiness for him specifically, but I don't know if he's just getting more lucky or whatnot, but um, everyone is hitting.
0: Yeah, and it you can't look at the overall season numbers because those are deceiving right now, you look at the season numbers and Kihei Hernandez is only hitting 209, Trevor Story, 221, Verdugo, 247. And it, it would, it would, you on surface value, it would look like the only one that has actually really improved is Christian Vasquez, who's bumped up his average significantly. It was sitting like somewhere between 220 and 230 when we last talked. And now on the season, he's hitting 271. So he has absolutely been raking himself. But I, I 100% agree. It's not so much looking at the season numbers as a whole. You have to look at what they've done over the past couple of weeks. And everyone has absolutely stepped up in the lineup. And you've gotten timely hitting. And it's, it's, been, it's not been just the big three in terms of timely hitting. You're getting just enough from pretty much everyone top to bottom in the lineup. And if this continues, you will continue to see the overall season numbers on these guys improve to more respectable values in terms of batting average. And if Devers, Bogarts, and JD, if they all keep up what they're doing, which (laughs) doesn't look like they're going to slow down anytime soon, I, I mean, it's only going to benefit the guys for in the rest of going down the lineup and just keep on going. So I, I think that when you're looking at the hitting, I think that what they're doing is, is sustainable. I I think that it's, it, it could be difficult if injuries start to pile up, which you only have a couple right now. I mean, Hernandez is on the IL. Christian Arroyo has COVID but so it's nothing crazy yet. Um, But if you keep Devers Bogarts and Martinez healthy and they're producing the way they are, I think that this lineup can definitely keep raking the way they have been over the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. And and the other thing I think that's really important here is, you know, early on when, you know, those big three we talked about were hitting um, teams kind of figure out who's hot and who's not. And, they're more apt to maybe pitch around guys like Devers and Bogarts, especially when they're playing the way that they're playing. And, uh, you know, in the last month and a half, those guys walk numbers have gone up like basically like double In Devers' case, I think it's like triple. Um, when those guys are just going to get walked and kind of pitched around, basically, you're going to need some other guys to step up, um, and, and kind of pick up the team and they have, and, you know, because, because of that, they've, they've, they've dug themselves out of the hole. Um, and I think that's a good way to uh, to term it, because um, mm-hmm. I don't want to get too excited here, right? Like, like they're still in a dogfight here. They're still, I think, fourth in their own division. Yep. And last I heard, maybe they were like a half game behind the Guardians for a playoff spot, but like uh, somewhere around there is probably where they they are right now. Still, um, they're still very much in a fight here. Um and they really dragged themselves up and good for them. Um you know sucks that they had to do that. Um cuz even if they could have just played, you know, 500 ball uh, and then done this, you'd be in a much more comfortable situation, but um yeah, I think I think there's a lot to be excited about here. I think you're beating some some good teams, some really um you know, competitive teams out there. Um so there's good signs here. It's not just a schedule thing like you talked about earlier, but uh Maybe. Uh, yeah. I, I just think that there's still more to be done here. You know, the, the season could still go a number of ways, uh, yeah. but, but good for them for, for digging themselves out. And I think that there is a lot to be excited about, Um, you know, specifically behind the, the home plate here.
0: Yeah. And I, I would definitely agree with that. You've all, you, the job, the job really starts now you've, you've dug yourself out of said hole. And now you've put yourself in a position where now you can compete for said playoff spot. You're, you're right on the money. They're a half game behind both the Cleveland Guardians and the Tampa Bay Rays for that last wild card spot. They are still fourth in the in the division, but they're only two games back of Toronto for second in the division. So it's kind of becoming a hog, uh, kind of a, a mosh pot between the Blue Jays, the Rays, the Sox. And the Guardians for those three wild card spots because the Yankees are just running away with things. The Astros are not too too far behind them in the in terms of the American League standings. And then the Twins have have actually played a lot better than I thought they would this year in terms of uh, win loss record. They lead the Central by a game over the Guardians, and th- for, for all I know, they could end up kind of coming back down to earth. And that's we haven't that's without even bringing up the Chicago White Sox, who have just been absolutely decimated by injuries. But you you look at what the Red Sox are right now. They're at least in position to to go ahead and earn a playoff spot in the during the dog days of the summer. And that's a lot better of an outlook than we could have said about a month ago. So. Now that they are in this position, you look, start to look at the upcoming schedule, and over the next two weeks, it, it's, it's fair. Yeah, they've got a three-game set at home against the Detroit Tigers before they go and head out on for a road trip where they play presumptive or current playoff teams if the season ended today in Cleveland and Toronto before wrapping up the road trip in the beginning of July. In Chicago to take on the Cubs, but from July 4th on for about a month through August 3rd, strictly teams ahead of them in the standings that would be playoff teams, including several series against AL East competition. So we are going to find out in the next month, month and a half, what we really truly have, I think, in this team. Are they, are they for real? Is this, the, is this last four or five weeks going to be the real Boston Red Sox, or was that just a product of them taking out teams that were just ahead of them at the time and putting them down below them in the standings? So only, only time is going to be able to tell there, but at least for right now, they are in a position where they can actually go ahead and have a shot at this whole thing
1: yeah and yeah i I agree with all of that i think um the the blue jays and guarding series especially uh, you know in in the short future um would be series that i would really like to see this team play well against um you know you'll gain some some ground on some teams that you're vying with right now um they should be fun competitive games i think uh i think those are going to be important because you know, you drop them. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, you can still climb back into it again um, and make up that ground. But, you know, I think that it gets exhausting when you're always looking up and always chasing. And um, I'd, I'd really like to see them, you know, get a little bit of breathing room uh, and, and really kind of take advantage of 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 those series. Um, either way, they'll be fun. Um, yeah. And All right. I'm a little sad that they're not going to get an E-Rod comeback. Yeah. I was at a soft spot for him. He's doing something <laughs> weird. He's like, hasn't returned to the team for like personal reasons or something. So yeah. something's going on
0: there. You know, hope it's not too bad. But mm-hmm. And I, I know we're winding down here. One final thing. We got a couple of minutes left here before zoom decides to shut us down. Uh, what, what DR has stood out to you outside of the realm of the Boston Red Sox across the league. Is there anything that has stood out to you two months into the season?
1: Um, I mean, I'm, I I sort of pay attention to players who have links to the Red Sox. That's kind of how I root for most of my mm-hmm. sports. Um, you know, I I don't really pay attention to teams for the sake of paying attention to teams. So I'd say, you know, Andrew Benintendi. I know that a lot of the the quote unquote nerds will tell you that his underlying numbers um don't look all that great, and that really high and Bloom won that trade, but um you know the numbers that matter the actual production says that you know maybe that's a high and bloom miss um so that's that's something to look at uh i think mookie bets continues to tear it up which is a little painful um yeah and then a weird one-off thing um and i'm just, i'm actually floored that uh, i'm a big john boy fan if you don't know who he is totally mm-hmm. checking them out enjoy your mm-hmm. night you will love it. But um John boy with an M uh, makes tons of videos and he hasn't made one about the Tony Larusa intentionally walking. Uh <laughs> I, who, I forget who it was. It was a one, count. Trey Trey Turner. Turner. it was like two outs and he had like two strikes on the guy. One, two count. Tony's like, no, 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 we're rocking him. We want to face Max Muncy, which like, I don't know. Muncy was like playing like dog food. Like I kind of get it, but I don't get it. Cause he waited for two strikes, which is wild. And then, you know, good for months. He made him pay. He had a home run. So, I I yeah, I would love to see and then Tony LaRusso was like, Oh yeah, like it made sense. He was like, There wasn't even a question about it. Like, of course uh, we we're gonna do that. And I was like, Well, what were you? Asleep at the
0: helm for the first three pitches? Like oh God. So yeah, that was that was bad. But uh I think that's gonna do it here for this episode of Fixing the Talk Sports. Uh so for Dan Roach, thanks for having us. Thanks for having dropping it on. And uh we will talk to you guys next time.